You're listening to Dear Designer with me, Abigail Lee. I am an architectural graduate passionate about evidence-based design. I advocate for equitable access to quality design and strive to elevate underrepresented voices. As architects and designers, we are in a privileged position to be designing spaces and buildings that we often will never occupy. It then becomes so important that we ask the people we are designing for, what do you need? What do you want? The goal of Dear Designer is to foster a culture of conversation and humility. It's about highlighting the importance of collaboration. My guest this week is Kelton. Kelton is 24 years old and grew up in Hartford, England. He has been living in Brisbane since 2015 and currently works full-time in the CBD. Kelton is a commuter cyclist. He rides to and from work most days and has been cycling for about five years. Today, Kelton and I will talk about his journey to becoming a cyclist and what he needs from the city in order to do so safely and enjoyably. At the end, Kelton will read out his short letter to designers, outlining what he would love to see in our built environment to support his cycling. Hello. Hey. Thank you for joining me on this. this the maiden. Episode. Yeah, the maiden, <laughs> the maiden um, journey of this podcast. Um, we've here with a whiskey and a gin. Yeah. <laughs> To hopefully try and get the conversation going um, and just, yeah, have a conversation, I guess, about cycling and what you love about it um, and also what maybe needs to, or what you would like to see improved or like things that maybe would make it a little bit easier. Before we get into your cycling, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the podcast because this is the first episode. And for those of you who don't know, Kelton is also my husband and we both have an architecture background. So we did our master's together. And so you have kind of watched me kind of grow this idea of this podcast and my interest in it. So I just thought maybe you could interview me for the first little bit. Oh, sure. (laughs) We've not prepped this at all. That was a surprise. (laughs) Um, And just kind of ask me some questions about why it's important or kind of where it's come from or any observations you might have made. Yeah, okay. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I guess, yeah, let's start with um, maybe what led you to this point from going through the degree, going into industry to now, to, to kind of seeing this gap or... Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think for me, like a big part of the um, master's degree is we're starting to do bigger projects and we're starting, it starts to become a little bit more grounded in real life. And the amount of times the tutor or a lecturer would say, you know, and this is when you bring in a consultant or, you know, mm. you need, you would then be asking the stakeholders about this. And obviously we, well, we can't, it's very hard to do that in a university environment. Like yeah. you can't, these are make believe briefs, um, you know, there's often not a stakeholder that, and also just the ethics of you can't just actually go out and interview people most of the time mm. um, through uni anyway. Yeah. So I think for me, I was kind of going, okay, well, there already is a big gap there. Yeah. The fact that if we can't actually ask people, what do we do? We have to look up the standards. And then if you talk to anybody who has, who's those standards like directly affects, they always say that's the bare minimum. Mm. And they always say that's not, it's not good enough yeah. currently. 
So I was like, okay, <laughs> there is definitely a gap there yeah. um, between what's the information available to students um, and grads and what is needed to make a project that actually works for the people. Yeah. And would you say even in your small experience mm. working, that's Yeah, true, Yeah, and I think then you kind of you go leave uni and you go into offices and then the we can't bring in consultants because it's university turns into we can't bring in consultants because there's no budget for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless the client wants. Yeah. Yeah. Wants to pay for it and yeah. values that. Yeah. Exactly. So then it becomes, okay, now we can't because there's no money for it or the client isn't allocated money for it um, or is maybe not even interested in it. Mm. Or didn't even think about it. Yeah. Or didn't even consider it. Um, and so then, you know, part of our job then is to advocate for these people as the architect and bring that to the client. Yeah. But at the, but, you know, again, sometimes that doesn't always work and you mm. can only do so much. So I guess for me, it's just like me going out there, asking people what they would like, people that specifically aren't architects and aren't in the room yeah. normally for these kinds of conversations. So what, what does that mean? I suppose, like, what do you mean by not in the room? So I was in, in the room of this great, for this great little workshop and I realised that and we were talking about this kind of love and kindness project for Brisbane and how great it would be for Brisbane and what would people like and how could, what does that look like in urban design? And it was so exciting and I'm so excited by the project and the idea. And mm. I was like looking around and I'm like, there are so many great people in this room, but they're also all designers. Yeah, <laughs> and okay the people that we're talking about helping or impacting are not in this room. And there's nothing saying that they won't become, they won't end up in the room mm. later. This We were at the very, very early stages of this. Yeah. Um, it was the first meeting, <laughs> but it just, yeah, I was like, it's, uh, this actually happens a lot. And so mm. how can I, even if, you know, we record this and three people listen and one student decides to like add a wider bike lane because of this mm. podcast, like that's the point. Yeah. It's this idea of like, let's go out there, ask people what they want, ask them what they need. Don't just result, don't just like refer to the standards and think that that's enough. Yeah. Like that is just our bare minimum and we should be pushing for better. Yeah. And and obviously the standards can only capture so much and mm. like. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Well, exactly. that's exactly right. And I think that we're learning that too, that it's you can't make a one size fits all no so and no. i guess that's the other thing with this conversation that we're having today this is just your experience exactly just you know i could talk to another cyclist and they could completely disagree mm. with you yeah and 100%. so yeah that's a good point it's like oh actually we can still have these conversations but i guess the the main point is go and have the conversations with the people that you're directly yeah. impacting in your projects yeah and so from this what do you want to like is do you want to have this is a resource or you want, you know, obviously entertaining, let's hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, as I said in the intro, like it's, you know, fostering a conversation, like fostering a culture of conversation, um, yeah. just getting used to asking questions and humility, like coming to the table and being like, yes, I have a lot of training. Yes. I might mm. see things or know things that you don't know, but yeah. at the end of the day, only you know what you need from a space. Yeah, as in These you, the client, not, yeah. <laughs> you, the yeah. client, or yeah, any individual, like, you know what you need. Yeah. And some people are lucky enough to get bespoke designed mm. homes that meet their exact needs, but a lot of people do not get that opportunity. Yeah. 
definitely. And I think um, the last point I'll say is it would, yeah, it'd be very useful for me. Like I've been on a couple of projects and we usually have consultants that can kind of help provide, give us that information, but usually it defaults Mm. to the standards and um, the construction code, which is obviously great, but Mm -hmm. it would, it would be nice having that extra touch or that kind of finer detail of like, oh, actually, well, maybe you should make your bike lanes wider. Well, maybe that minimum door for a wheelchair should be a bit wider or, Mm. you know, so yeah, I think it's definitely valuable and um, yeah, great, great idea. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think the last thing I'll say is, is, is it also came from like that workshop, but also I had a couple of moments where I had spoken to somebody, different people, and they'd kind of dropped these like bombshells of like things that they would actually want. And I was like, well, we are taught the exact opposite. Mm. Like, for example, um, somebody who was working with people with anxiety was saying yeah. that in public space, they actually don't like big open wide spaces yeah. because they they feel like they could be feel very vulnerable Mm. and they actually need smaller scale places with something behind them and and maybe to their sides of them for them to feel more secure and safe so yes they could still be in a park but if there's you know something to lean on or if there's smaller pockets of Mm. spaces within that park they can still get the benefits of being outside and being you know in the sun and in the grass um but they still feel safe yeah definitely and i was kind of like wow, that is not, I've never thought of that. Yeah. Like I've never considered that. Yeah. So. And I would have only known by asking. Mm. It's not in a standard anyway. Yeah. And it is something that's probably always evolving. And again, maybe that person with anxiety feels that way. It doesn't mean that yeah. they all do. But it's just that thing of, oh, wow, actually I'm not going to know until I ask. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Well, so, let's get asking, I suppose. Yeah, let's get asking. <laughs> so. I guess, yeah, well, so we're here today. So, yes, you do have an architecture background, but we're not talking about architecture. We are talking about cycling, yes. which is something, again, I've seen you that really enjoy over the last few years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, tell me about, briefly. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> your journey into cycling and kind of where it started and what maybe, what were the main things you were hoping to take away when you first decided to get on a bike what were like the top three things you were hoping to achieve yeah okay um well as you said it's been about five or six years since I first started cycling I wanted to kind of reduce my car use I think because I was driving a lot and I was conscious of the environment obviously with everything that's kind of happening climate crisis and growing up in Europe I was cognizant of another way of kind of maybe moving around the city or getting to places. So anyway, yeah. So I just started small. I bought a really cheap bike and I was just going to the gym. It was maybe like five, five minutes or so, Mm -hmm. five, 10 minutes there and back. And I just like really started small. Um, And it was also like another way to get a bit of fitness in there when I was studying, not having much time. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of the origins. And then as time went on, I kind of got a bit more adventurous and I enjoyed it. And it was kind of a place to disconnect and recharge whilst commuting so that you weren't kind of, I'm sure we've all, all been there where you, 
have a big day and then you have to sit in traffic for half an hour, 40 yeah. minutes. And it's like, yeah, really just like really draining on your brain. Mm. And so, and it's yeah. efficient too, because it was like, I'm commuting, I'm exercising. I'm yeah, also right. like unwinding. Yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Getting outside. That's right. And actually, yeah, at a certain point as I kind of moved around and changed jobs, it tended to be the quickest method. Mm. So like, I would kind of be like on the opposite side of the river. And so then driving would take, you know, an hour in traffic yeah, um, to my workplace. Public transport was similar. Mm. Um, where, and then cycling was like, oh, it's like 10, 15 minutes quicker yeah. than those other methods. So I was like, that makes mm. obvious sense. Like mm. it's just another pro mm. to doing it. Mm. Um, and obviously, not obviously, I suppose another point, was like money because I was conscious of like I was a poor student yeah <laughs> so yeah. um I didn't have a lot of money and I still did have the car which I have never actually given up spoiler yeah. alert <laughs> um but I was conscious of you know petrol prices going up and yeah wanting to kind of yeah reduce like my spending if I could so yeah I think to answer your question like cost time or you know efficiency like time unwinding Mm-hmm. um and then like the trying to reduce kind of my carbon emission mm. my carbon footprint yeah 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 okay I mean very I, I don't think I think most people listening will already know the benefits of cycling or yeah. you know what why it could be good um but I think for me like the unappeal I guess is mm. like oh but it seems very dangerous yeah <laughs> And you do hear people, well, dangerous in Brisbane anyway, Yeah, where Australia, you do hear people um, who do get into accidents and it it can be pretty bad. So I guess for you, like you started doing your commuting. So you started Mm. not just using the bike to go to gym, but also to go to work or to go to uni. Um, Did you, how did you go with riding on the road for the first time? That's a good question. Um, I think taking a step back, I had the same mentality and I wasn't, I was on a coming home to Australia on a flight after being in Australia for a few years. Mm. And the woman I sat next to was a cyclist. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of had a conversation about, I said the same thing, like, how do you ride on the road? And Ah. she was probably like a, I think she was a grandparent because she was, you know, talking about her grandchildren. Anyway, she was like, yeah, she just rides on it. She's saying, you just got to be smart, like be predictable. And because she was saying like her kids, mm. like her adult children ride and she t- takes the grandchildren. Anyway, so I kind of took that mentality and that's what didn't inspire me to ride because I was already thinking about it. But, you know, it set the mindset shift of like, it's actually not as dangerous as you mm. think it is Mm. obviously it can be dangerous but so is driving a car yeah anyway so I think her advice was like just be predictable be smart and kind of like be aware of what you're doing and and if it doesn't feel safe like don't risk it always be predictable Mm. always um yeah like think about what you're doing and and try and make yourself aware to uh, to cars because yeah. Unfortunately, if they hit you, that, that's uh, kind of it. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, and then you just kind of build up from there. Like, I didn't jump straight away to cycling at on 70k an hour roads mm. like you see people doing. Yeah. Um, 
And even still, like I will sometimes ride on the footpath if it means that I feel safer, mm. even if it takes a bit longer and it is like, it is more annoying. Yeah. But it's that trade off. Like I'm thinking, I'm being yeah. smart about it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which brings me to my next question very nicely. <laughs> oh, yeah, good. Of, um, yeah, I mean, cycle paths are great, like like um, dedicated cycle paths, yeah. right? So ones that are off the roads, that are just for cyclists, maybe the odd pedestrian that's like onto there. Oh, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> um, the worst. But how do you go with um, the green strips on the roads? Because they're the kind of main things that we see and they're kind of, I would say they're quite highly contested mm. like i feel well, cy- what do you think about well them? i hear that you know cyclists they're not enough for cyclists but then for for cars i find them stressful like as a driver you know it's so easy you hear people go oh i hate cyclists i don't hate cyclists because they're cycling on the road because mm. they're cyclists but it is stressful for me when there is somebody within a meter of my very fast moving yeah. car that has no protection that could be unpredictable yeah. or the roads are just generally unpredictable. I could be unpredictable mm. and it does make me really nervous. Yeah. And so even though I know that there's, if they're not on the road, where do they go? Yeah. Well, I think that to that point, there isn't really a spot like yeah. it's either the road and then the cars will say that they own the road, which is fair enough. And then you're on the, the footpath and then pedestrians will say well mm. i own the, the footpath mm. um the pavement because they kind of do and so then there is that like missing gap and so the green strip i think it's like the bare minimum mm. really like it is pretty it can be dangerous mm. um i've had pretty close encounters with yeah with cars because the just the nature of that it's like literally a piece of paint on the floor yeah so if someone decides to get close for whatever reason, like they're swerving or they have traffic on coming the other way, it is quite dangerous. But then at the same time, it does give a place for cyclists. And I do feel a small sense of safety there because mm-hmm. there are laws you know, governing, yeah, governing yeah. like that meter width that yeah. you're meant to give. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they can come out of nowhere they most of the time they just stop in, yeah. in the road and see like okay cool i'm now i'm just on the road the cycle lanes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like the green strip just stops yeah. and yeah yeah so it's i guess yeah it's like keep it simple it's mm. the minimum it's not really enough mm. but then it is a place for cyclists to be yeah um but they're not like consistent i suppose no, that's true and you're right with that that dropping off thing where mm. you know we do a new patch of road a new patch of road gets worked on or developed or resurfaced and you get a green strip because yeah. you know that's great that's what we're trying to do but you hit the end of that patch of road and there's no green strip anymore yeah and where do you go where do you go and i guess yeah. in theory as roads as we develop our roads if a green strip is added every time hmm. then it will eventually come yeah then that's great it's better than nothing but yeah. at the moment it's stressful so I guess, so if you're saying, let's say you had consistent green strips all the way through, mm. but you're saying it still is not the most comforting of places to be. Yeah. What What do you think could be maybe added to it? Or would mm. you just rather not do it at all and just have them always be dedicated? Um, I think that it can be a hybrid. So like there are places where they've got 
um, these like, they're like the yellow flat curbs. So oh, yeah. like you can kind of still drive over them, mm. but it's a little bit of a, like if you hit it, you would cut, you would, you know, mm. as a driver, um, that's like a little nicer and probably is quite easy to implement. Mm. Um, the next query step is like an actual physical barrier. So like an, a curb or putting a dedicated path on the pavement so that mm-hmm. it's like elevated up a bit. Mm-hmm. Or like bollards. Yeah. You know, you see those yeah. like rubber bollards. Not those. Oh, no, no. They can those. just plow down. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it probably does help a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think you would still, as a driver, stay away from them. Yeah. Um, but like I've seen... I've seen them like really? just toppled over and yeah, okay. you know, like at the end of the day, these measures don't really, if someone's going to hit you or if they can like lost control or whatever, they're still going to hit you. But um, yeah, having that like little curb, hmm. it does feel a little safer, but I think ideally it would be off. It would be like, there's pavement mm. for pedestrians. There's a two way cycle lane, dedicated cycle lane mm-hmm. off the street. And then, the mm-hmm. road itself mm-hmm. um, and i'm sure some of these roads could get smaller like not as wide. yeah see i find that so interesting because you coming from england or, or yeah. europe seeing europe you you've come here and you go your lanes are so wide they are You're... so wide <laughs> but to me like in being in brisbane and i'm originally from north queensland in cairns where the roads are even wider yeah i'm like brisbane roads are narrow yeah no they're so <laughs> wide like <laughs> I feel like you could fit an extra lane in the same well. <laughs> in the same lane. So I'm like I'm positive that there's um, room. There's room mm. for a little bike lane that's only like a meter wide or whatever. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that's like the next. Mm. What I feel comfortable, like I feel most comfortable on a cycle path. Mm. Obviously makes sense. But yeah, I think that physical barrier. Yeah. Or you know. Yeah, because it just kind of keeps the cars away, mainly, like, it's just mm. a deterrent. Mm. Yeah, and I think as well, so talking about the journey of being, of cycling. Yeah. When you arrive at your destination. Yeah. Um, what What is the dream the scenario? Dream, I guess it depends. But if I'm commuting, then, like, an end-of-trip mm. facility. So, like, when I was going to uni... I would kind of get there and I'd be so hot and sweaty mm. and then you get changed in the toilet mm-hmm. and then you go to class and you're like, obviously I'm like drenched in sweat <laughs> for half an hour before you kind of regulate. Bouncing your shoes on the toilet seat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah. trying to, trying to keep everything off the floor because it's gross, <laughs> but then I was trying to like change. And anyway, um, at work currently we've got a great end of trip facility. So, you know, I go lock my bike up securely mm-hmm with a pass key and then go down and have a shower there's lockers like that is kind of the ideal mm. i still think what is given is like the bare minimum mm-hmm. in terms of space requirements oh okay yeah like the end of trip at, at work it's like pretty tight when it's right monday morning and there's a few people and in there it's like packed full yeah. of people you're, yeah. you're jammed in trying to get yeah. your shoes on get changed um, yeah the showers are nice yeah because it's single shower yeah, yeah. kind of thing but um <laughs> yeah. but then i think if i was just like like i've gone to places to kind of pick stuff up like the post office or like get some groceries and mm-hmm. most of the time there's no there's nothing 
like there's not even a place to park my bike and lock it up yeah. and feel safe like it's probably not as prevalent here in brisbane but like bike theft internationally mm. is like a huge kind of problem you hear about all the time right. and, um having just like a like a steel you i don't know what oh, it's yeah, called. Like, like the bike rack yeah yeah like yeah. a bike rack yeah. yeah thank you to just lock my bike up mm. is great mm-hmm. um but most places they don't have that so then i either have to like try and take my bike into the shop which they don't like obviously mm. and or i kind of have to wheel it away and like try and chain it to a fence or <laughs> yeah a, a post yeah like, like a, a lamppost like, yeah. or like something yeah. inconvenient and then there's also that thing of like I can't then I can't see my bike so then it someone could potentially mm. easily take mm. it or mm. yeah and so I yeah. think that's the difference too between like being a commuter cyclist as opposed to a hobbyist because you know if you're yeah. cycling with the group or you're cycling as a hobby you either you're like just leaving your home going yeah. somewhere turning around and coming back to your home so there's no problems there that's right or you're going with a group of people to like a cafe where you just put your bike beside you mm. and again no problems yeah and you're with a group of people and you can sit with it and it's not like a problem but when it's yeah you're going into the pharmacy or going to the doctors or you're going to the the grocery store yeah what what happens and when you were taught when you're like just then talking I was just getting like that feeling that awful feeling where you like arrive somewhere Mm. where you're at a place and you realize that there is no room for you yeah yeah, that's, that's like what happens. You you kind of, or even that thing where you go to a cafe and you order your coffee and then mm. you turn around and there's nowhere to stand. Yeah. And you're suddenly you forget everything. You forget how to stand. You forget how to sit. Like you <laughs> yeah. forget how to walk. And you're kind of like, what do I do? How do I stand or like comfortably? Where do I go? Like, I don't know if that's just me overthinking it, but I feel like it's that, that awful feeling of like, where do I fit in this space mm, right now? Exactly. Why do I suddenly feel so unwelcome yeah. when I have every right to be here? That's so. right. And it's kind of that thing of like, why did I make all this effort? Like, yeah. it's not, you know, I could have just driven, yeah. but I've consciously made the choice to ride mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. do it for my health and do it for the planet. And, yeah. you know, but then it's like, oh, I get that. I'm like, oh, great. You know, there's, there's heaps of car parks. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Everywhere has a car park. Yeah, but then I can't even lock my bike up mm. in a the simplest. Like I'm mm-hmm. sure those bike locks are like that expensive. Yeah, the little right? racks. The yeah, little racks. Probably not. You know, and yeah. that and that definitely doesn't prevent my bike being stolen. Mm. But at least it gives me a place to put it. Yeah, people, other people can see it. Like if mm-hmm. someone was trying to steal mm-hmm. it, so. And I think as well, then it encourages you to do it again. Yeah, you know, because I feel like if you did that trip. And you could have driven, but you chose not to. And then you found there was nowhere mm. to lock your bike up. You wouldn't do that again. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. so that's just completely deterring you. Yeah, 100%. And um, it's just those small things. Like if mm. everyone had a bike rack at mm-hmm. the front. More people would. I would presume that more people would do it. Mm. You know, where everyone complains about traffic. Yeah. It's great to ride past the traffic mm-hmm. <laughs> when I'm commuting. <laughs> Um, but if the more people you take off the roads because it's easier mm. or like more convenient, then the less traffic there is and the less pollution there is. So yeah, yeah. that's definitely very, very. Yeah. And I think as well, you know, we talk about these things and it's like the people that really want to cycle, like they will do it mm. whether there's, you know, 
bike cycle like you still yeah. do it you still cycle yeah you cycled to places where there was no end of trip facilities and you've yeah. gone to work all day and you've just made it work because it's something that like you really want to do yeah but i guess these extra things are, are going to pick up that other like you know 50 60 percent of mm. people which is more like me who's like yeah i could ride i'm like able to yeah but i'm nervous yeah <laughs> or you know like but what is it going to be like or i don't want to be at work sweaty or mm. i don't want to have to um yeah, like ride on the, like not know where I'm going or yeah. not feel safe. Um, so these things would definitely make it more appealing. Mm, that's right. And like with the growth of electric bikes yeah. and even scooters, like mm-hmm. there are more people doing these things, mm-hmm. do it, like commuting this way. Yeah. But then the kind of like supporting network, mm. I feel like hasn't really grown. Mm. And that's probably the, like the demographic that's like, thinking about it they could do it they'll probably buy an electric yeah bike or scooter yeah. because it's just a little bit easier yeah and but then they might be like oh i'm not going to spend like two three four five grand on a bike if i can't take it yeah everywhere or i have exactly. to kind of like bring it into the shop or... yeah 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 exactly right okay so if we were if i was doing a design at uni or or wherever yeah. And I was like, okay, I need to put in bike racks at the end. Yeah. What, where's the ideal spot? Like out of the way, in the way, right at the front, around the corner? Um, I think probably just like right at the front. Yeah. <laughs> like that, I mean, maybe everyone's going to be different, but like I have a nice helmet and I have mm. nice shoes and stuff. So I'm on a bike's not cheap. Mm-hmm. So then having that kind of uh, being able to kind of think about, oh, yeah, it's like at the front, people will be walking past it. Yeah. People will be able to see it. Like yeah. the person, the teller might be able to see it kind of thing. Or there's like a security camera on it. Mm-hmm. That obviously helps. I have, there was a supermarket that I used to go to that mm-hmm. had it kind of in the car park, but it was near the entrance. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like on the pavement, which you can't see a lot but it wasn't like hidden around. Like if you go to like the shopping centers, mm. I don't know if you ever looked at where the bike racks are no. <laughs> or even, even at uni, um, they're like the furthest possible place right. in the car parks that is kind of hidden around the corner. Um, and that just like, for me, it's like, that's so much effort. Yeah. I've got to go find the, the bike rack which is a deterrent. Mm-hmm. And then I, when I get there, I've got to like walk forever to get into the shops. Yeah. Um, and then it's like that thing of someone could just come steal it. No, one would know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. So yeah, I think the more close to the front and the Within more visible. Yeah. More people. And again, if someone really wanted to steal it, they're still just going to steal yeah, it. Definitely. But it does just provide that extra level of just like a bit of security, yeah. a bit of peace of mind. That's right. And you will, again, deter the X amount of people that are just opportunistic. Yeah, that's right. Like the, you know, the people that will just would walk past and unlock back and go, I'll just nick that, but didn't like premeditate, yeah. you know, that 100%. kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, that actually brings me, I was thinking about this before, was how do you... Like, there's nowhere to stop. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, when you're on a cycle path, whether it's dedicated or whether it's a green strip on the road yeah. or whether it's a footpath, there's, like, nowhere for you to stop and check 
directions yeah. or take a call or fix your shoelace. Mm. Like, what do you do? Yeah, so you just kind of stop <laughs> is the short answer. Like, I guess there's always bays for cars. There's always, like, a place for a car to pull over mm. quite most of the time. Most yeah. of the time. I mean, but even on the highways, you know, we, we have bays. There's spots yeah. for people to pull over. And I just wonder, like, is that something that could be added to cycle lanes? Like, could we have little, yeah, that's little true, bays, that little service bays or little, yeah. you know, thickenings in the lane where possible, where yeah. people can just, like, pull over or get to the next check. They know that every, like, few hundred metres is going to be somewhere, so they just have to hold on to the next one. Yeah. Like, and actually, that's interesting, like, having those thickenings because the cycle lanes tend to be, like, one person mm. wide. So in like the green strip or the dedicated cycle lanes or even like pavements. Mm. And so you'll find that, or in my experience, either I'm the block and people are like trying to go around <laughs> yeah. me, but they can't because yeah. there's cars or people or there's like grass. So I come mm. on a road bike. So when I'm on the pavement, mm. I can't just like whip around on the grass. So I have to like stay on, I stay on the pavement, which means if there's like a person walking or like a pram or something, I kind of just sit behind them right. because I don't want to risk going on the grass. And... So you can't go on the grass because of your tires. Yeah, yeah, because oh, right. of my tires. But like, if you're on a mountain bike, sure, you, that's no problem. Yeah. Um, and you don't have a bell because you're very polite. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a bell, so, I so just, you like, literally just sit behind them. I just sit them. behind them and wait, and then I kind of make my moment. Um, but I'm like that. But yeah, I find it's very common to there be like trains of, you know, like right. three or four cyclists in a row. Yeah because no one can get past you, you can't get past or it's like not safe to or for whatever reason so that would help like mm. kind of like you know on roads they have those um overtaking lanes in certain in certain yeah, spots yeah, like yeah. even stuff like that and maybe there's like a a spot to kind of pull over or like that's yeah. kind of like pull over or like you never see that there. actually this idea no. of an overtaking lane and no. i guess because it's probably easier on a bike to go yeah. around someone in theory yeah than like in a car but it's never allowed for no it's like yeah it's really like the minimum yeah and if you have a bike lane which is also a pedestrian space mm, shared shared space then it's like almost impossible yeah. because you'll have like people coming the other direction you'll want to like overtake the people in the, your direction mm-hmm. but then you know and then all that kind of stuff. And then scooters go faster again. And yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other conversation of where did the scooters <laughs> go at the end of all this? Yeah. Because um, there's not really any room for them either. No. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And I think, like, going back to an earlier point, the more people you take off the road, the less traffic you have. Yeah. The less cars you have, the less emissions you have. Mm. I think it's, like, really important then. I think Brisbane is hilly and it is hot, but mm. it is definitely doable. Oh yeah, for more people than it currently yeah. is, and even I, for like six, eight months of the year, you can do. Oh it. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, um, and I'll sometimes ride past those signs that tell you how many people have ridden on that bit of cycling lane, and I always do the calculation of like, okay, there's been seven hundred people today. Yeah, if you times that by three, because that's kind of the length of a car. Or even long, more, like six. I don't even know how big cars are. <laughs> Maybe like three. Then you can calculate like how much traffic that 
would have oh, been. Oh, like the length of the yeah, track. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's like, you know, 1,500 yeah. meters of additional traffic that's been removed. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that <laughs> right? That's what I think about. <laughs> Obviously try and see like the little number got when I ride past. But, um, yeah. Like, cause I, you know, that when, where we used to live, it would, that spot would be right next to a main road. Mm. And every time coming home, it would be jam packed full of traffic, like deadlocked, deadlocked. Yeah. And I go, can you imagine having the that additional much extra traffic? It just seems insane yeah. when it's already full. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so such an interesting <laughs> way to think about that. Um, those like to translate those numbers so like because it would be 700 individual people in their own cars it wouldn't be five people in a car exactly Um, exactly so yeah i mean the idea of 700 cars on the road extra cars on the road sounds awful yeah um all going the same direction all going the same way yeah yeah all producing those emissions yeah etc etc like it's kind of crazy to think about yeah, I mean, I think, I feel like we can't have a cycling episode that doesn't talk about Amsterdam. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you ever been? Um, I have, actually. Yeah. And did you observe, like... Any differences? Yeah, like, well, what were the main things? I mean, it's very flat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, okay. It is very, very flat, but yeah. they... Um, it's like the cyclists are the kind of top pecking order. Right. of the transport system okay. so it's like top priority yeah yeah so it's like cyclists trams trains cars right from my from my experience and like limited research into Amsterdam. and there's like a a ring around central Amsterdam, mm. which is where i was and then there it's like really difficult for cars to kind of come in right so if you're on like you know 12 o'clock and you want to go to six o'clock on this kind of ring mm-hmm. You have to drive all the way around the city. You can't just drive straight through. Right. You can't do a direct line. Uh But if you're like a cyclist, you just go straight through. Yeah. And so they've like really kind of um, prioritized this zone that's like about cycling. Mm -hmm. It's really safe. Everything is separate. Mm -hmm. Um, There's cycle. There's probably, you could probably go everywhere on a cycle path Mm -hmm. without ever having to touch the road or Mm -hmm. a pavement. and people are always on their bikes. Like, it's really mm-hmm. great. Um, and do they have big rows of cycle racks? Oh, have you seen them? No. Oh, it, okay. <laughs> Everyone go look up a train station in Amsterdam. <laughs> because it's literally, it's, I look at it and I, I can't even fathom, like, how I would get my bike. It's like, it's so packed. Right. That you just can't even imagine <laughs> And they also have this thing where, like, you can hire, or not hire, it's, like, provided for you, mm. a bike on the other end of the train line. So, like, you park wow. your bike at the stop. Yeah. You go to your destination mm-hmm. to commute to your workplace. Yeah. And on the other end, there's a bike. There's to, another bike. To go to and from work, mm-hmm. I suppose. And then you come home and you guide your bike and then go yeah. home. And a lot of people have, like, two or three bikes. Yeah, so right. I have like a commute bike that's like really cheap in case it gets stolen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they'll yeah. have like a, a nicer bike if they want to go riding. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's and it's like super quiet. It's great. You know, super it's super what? quiet. Quiet, yeah. It's super lovely. And people are respectful mm. on their bikes and even the pedestrians. And yeah, yeah, it's like, 
the dream. It's like really good <laughs> for cycling. Um, not that I cycled there, but just walking around. Yeah. And observing. Yeah. But yeah, you should definitely see those train stations. <laughs> like they're wild. Yeah. So you can't take it on the train then, is that? I suppose not. Yeah. I never caught the train there, but I've just seen, like I walked past them and they're just like jam-packed. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. And that's the other thing that always interests and excites me is that thing of like, you know, you talk about things, oh, we could have it like this. And people are like, oh, that would never work. We could never yeah. do that. And then you're like, look at this. <laughs> like other countries, we're not the only country in the world. Other people make this stuff work. And, yeah. And you do just like make it work yeah like as a driver even like when there are events on in the city yeah got football games every other week or whatever and it's we know that the roads are closed yeah or we know that that's traffic's right. going to be a certain type of way and we just like work around it yeah and even there was like this that bridge um that was closed in brisbane mm. kind of a couple of years ago mm. and there was huge uproar but it was like for buses it became a dedicated bus lane from cultural center oh yeah across yeah huge uproar from car drivers being like we need that bridge we rely right. on that bridge i didn't know it was originally a bridge a car, car bridge. bridge yeah i mean neither did i but right apparently it was okay um but i don't think it like people just adapt and yeah they do like you're in the car so you can't go that much faster yes. that much further yeah it's not that much of a inconvenience compared to if you're cycling an extra five minutes in the heat is so actually a, so, like a big difference comparatively that is such a good point so and i will say in amsterdam like they're dealing with extreme temperatures the mm. other way mm-hmm. people still do it like yeah. you know people make it work uh, but it's supported by the government mm-hmm. the infrastructure's there mm-hmm. the cold like the mindset of like cycling is good and it's good for the planet mm-hmm. and it's definitely way cheaper yeah um whereas i think in australia or brisbane it's like very car focused and yeah. understandably so like you have to sometimes it's big. yeah it's so so big um and brisbane's particularly is very hilly yes but i think it's doable hmm. yeah yeah i mean clearly like you do <laughs> yeah, you yeah. do it i do it and i do think like an electric bike really does yeah appeal to me as well to kind of reduce that like hilliness aspect yeah um or effort right. aspect of it but um yeah it's so true like what's five more minutes in the aircon of your car listening to your favorite podcast like yeah versus this one this podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> versus five being... minutes of slog in the heat yeah <laughs> or, or, or having to stop pull over work out because the, the cycle lanes and yeah. you don't know where the next safe part is or like putting yourself in danger yeah um, exactly like if i could get from my home our home to work on a cycle path the whole way yeah and it's like one kind of way mm-hmm. like one you know route yeah amazing mm-hmm. that like is so much simpler and accessible yeah and then when i get to work i can have a shower i can like dump all my gear mm-hmm. in a secure bike. place mm-hmm. amazing versus knowing that like the cars <laughs> get priority yeah and i have to like do this avoiding mm-hmm. thing or like fit my route together to kind of make it work for me because obviously if you're in a car you can just go the whole way but mm-hmm. it's not safe on the roads mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah i think it's just like a mind a mindset I don't know. oh for 100 percent, it's a yeah. mindset 
But, but the car's is, still important. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying yeah. that. And we do still have a car. We do still have a car. And we do use it, you know. Like every week. Every week. Yeah. Every other day, you know. it's It does something that still yeah. um, is needed. And we enjoy it. Like, I, we, we, you know, it's nice to be able to drive a couple oh, hours yeah. to the beach or That's you know, right. go to a cafe a bit out of the way. Or, yeah. 100%. But even just if all that you didn't use your car for was a commute, yeah. that's still getting you off the road. That's for right. like Most two hours, at least two hours a day. Yeah, <laughs> you know, ten hours you're saving. Yeah, exactly. Of petrol, of mm-hmm. being in traffic, the stress. Yeah, yeah. Well, of you know, you could be exercising in that yeah. time. That's like, right. All those kinds of things. So. Okay, so that brings us to the last part of this podcast, which is um, your dear designer letter. So if you could write a letter to a designer asking for things or congratulating them on certain (laughs) aspects or or elements of design, um, that would just make cycling a little bit easier, more enjoyable and more safe for you. Dear designer, someone who commutes to work in Brisbane, can you please give a little more space to cyclists? If nothing else, just a green strip on the road. If possible, could you please add some kind of physical protection or ideally create a dedicated cycle path that is uninterrupted by things like traffic lights or side streets? The safer we feel, the more of us there will be. When we reach our destination, could you please think about us? A simple place to lock my bike up that is in the public eye makes me at ease when I'm shopping. If there's provision for an end of trip facility, well that would be amazing and encourage even more people to cycle I'm sure. Additionally, having a place at home to secure my bike is another key factor. A rack on the wall or secure bike parking in an apartment complex goes a long way. Equal thought to cyclists as you give to cars will make a huge difference and impact and start shifting the public perception that cycling is achievable. Although you will still get a bit sweaty in summer. Thank you, Kelton. Cool. Should we talk about bike racks at home? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I can move for that. So much to talk about. I know. We're I... back. The, it's the epilogue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess bike racks at shopping centers great what do you do when you get home yeah. like where does your bike go i've never really thought about it and i guess for us we've always lived in apartments yeah so and it's always a problem yeah um pretty much ever i've lived it just goes in like the balcony or the the garden space like when i was living at home um so where we were previously we had a lock-in garage and it had a mount, a wall mounted bike rack, which was amazing because it like just saved space. And mm-hmm. um, it was like a simple kind of metal hook on the wall. Super and that was simple. in a rental. Yeah, in a yeah. rental. Um, currently, or, you know, we just have it on the balcony and I have to kind of trek it through the house. Mm-hmm. I kind of have to lift it up so does the cup doesn't get ruined. <laughs> like, I think, yeah, just having a, a space 
in like a apartment complex, you've got all the secure car parking, but then there's no way to lock my bike up again. I can't lock up anywhere. We have a dedicated car space. Mm. If I want to put my bike somewhere. There's nowhere. That I feel confident leaving. There's not even like a lock box mm. where I could put, where it's like key card access within the secure car park. Mm-hmm. We're fortunate here to have a bigger balcony, but if we didn't, if we had a smaller one and it was full of furniture or like we just, we didn't want it out there taking up the whole space, it would have to just like live inside. Yeah. So I think it's, e- my perception is it's probably easy for architects and designers to like provide provision for bike locks, right? Like, is it? I mean, I don't know. I mean, but... it seems simple. Like if I think about car parks, there are generally dead spaces. Yeah. Because that's just kind of the nature of like, you get the space that you get and the standards are very strict of mm. like how much you need to allow and the space between things. So it's very hard to like completely efficiently yeah. like design a car park, I would imagine. So there generally are these kind of like pockets of dead space and in a shopping center, yeah. maybe that's where they end up putting the most right. bike yeah. parks or, you know, the cyclists, but in an apartment co- complex, you don't normally see that happening. Not no. generally, not stock standard. I mean, I know Breathe are doing amazing things where they oh, yeah. always, they don't have car parks. So they've taken oh, car parks so out good. of all of their Nightingale projects. Yeah. Um, or maybe not Breathe. Yeah, but Nightingale in general, yeah. they don't have car parks and they have bikes racks yeah and they have car share and bike share yeah facilities. i think that's great yeah um, so it can be yeah again like it can yeah. be done but it is just yeah considering that thing of like when you're doing a garage make sure that there's noggings in the wall to like put a bike exactly rack on the wall exactly and putting just like that giving provision for it yeah um or even just like making that width between the car space and the wall that little bit wider yeah. to just slot a bike in there Mm-hmm. And I think like most people as kids have bikes. Yeah. So and as true. you grow older, you kind of it gets harder. It gets harder, or you give up, like not give up, but you mm-hmm. stop riding for fun. So then, like a lot of people, kind of do still need a space for bikes, even if it's like yeah. for their kids or yeah. Um, but I think yeah, like efficiently, to be most efficient, having wall mounted yeah. bike racks, and I'm sure there's so much. I mean, they are way cheaper than kind of trying to work around a whole car park complex or yeah 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 <laughs> you know, like i know they still yeah. cost money but yeah. yeah uh yeah having like a good place at home mm. or even like going to friends houses actually someone came over to my house once they rode they left their bike out at the front unlocked it was like kind of it was in a safe area um but their bike also got stolen like they didn't oh, think about no. it they just left it out the front unlocked which is you know obviously not ideal but you do feel like if you're at someone's house you feel like no one's gonna kind of cross that line yeah, to steal it that's right especially during the day oh, this is night, night. Okay. but like but still you know yeah. like there is that thing of where even recently i've ridden to people's friends houses and i have to kind of awkwardly say hey can i like bring this bike <laughs> all the way to the back yeah. of your house so it's like hidden from the yeah. street and yeah they don't have space for it like they've got space for a car yeah or the car parks on the street. Yeah. But it's still kind of that awkward thing. And, and again, that's just a deterrent mm-hmm. for people having a bike. Yeah. They have a spot for their car. They don't have a spot for their bike. Why would they, again, risk 
two, three, four thousand dollars on an electric bike, yeah. just like sitting out in the open, essentially. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a pilot talk recently, and they were talking about public space and like planning, and there was they use this term tension free sidewalks. Oh yeah. And I was like, that is such a good term. Like it just perfectly like I don't even have to really explain mm. beyond what. Yeah, yeah. Right, like you get it. Yeah, yeah. Tension free, like. That's right. And in in that instance, it was making them wide enough so that you know someone could be in a wheelchair and someone could have a pram yeah. and they could both walk past each other and there's no tension. Yeah. Like it's not you know how nice would it be if if your pathways to and from your own house with your own bike yeah. were tension free or like being able to go to the shops and it was tension free like. Yeah. I think obviously that is the idyllic kind of dream mm. that everything, you know, not everything's life is going to be super easy, but yeah. this idea that as designers, like we do, we do have the opportunity to make people's lives easier. Yeah. That's what excites me so much about this. Yeah. And like, it is tension free for cars <laughs> on in, in yeah. general, you know, like probably uh, proportionately. The thing that makes it tension is the other cars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> but like, there's a road to everywhere. Yeah. There's definitely most of the time they'll be parking, yeah. even if it's paid. Mm-hmm. Like there's you'll have a spot in your home or on the yeah. street close by. So it can be done. It's just in this discussion, the focus is on cars versus bikes. Mm. Yeah. As in what, what as, do you mean? as in like the tension free people are and then maybe in my experience, oh, design experience, like they're focusing on making it tension free for cars and people accessing places by car mm-hmm. or making sure that there's enough car parks for mm-hmm. everyone in that office building or mm-hmm. everyone in that shopping center. But then because the codes say you must have a certain amount of bike parks, mm-hmm. they will put the minimum in and yeah. shove them in a corner yeah. where it kind of suits the needs of cars. Yeah, so right? true. And it's that thing too of, which people, I don't know if they always grasp this, of if you actually give more space to cyclists, you as a driver, it will be more tension-free between yeah, you and a cyclist. Exactly. They won't be in your way anymore. Exactly. And you will be happy to give up that little bit of space. You actually won't notice because yeah. they won't be in your road anymore. Correct. And you can just focus on driving. coexist yeah. comfortably. That's right. And at the end of the day... That is actually just what everybody wants. Yeah, everyone just wants a place Some space to be. for themselves. Yeah, like yeah. no one wants to be on top of one another. Yeah. Even motor, motor bikes, yeah. when they're whizzing through, like that gives me tension. Mm-hmm. Um, but currently there's no space for pedestrians, cyclists, and cars to all mm-hmm. coexist. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Heated at the end. Yeah. (laughs) That was great. Um, It was so interesting to hear some stories that I hadn't heard before as well. Oh, wow. Cycling. Um, And just get a bit of your insight. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you to everybody who's listened. Um, Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast and in turn, giving a platform to underrepresented voices in design. If you would like to access content from this episode, such as the written letter from our guest, Kelton, or an infographic outlining the episode's key takeaways, please visit my website, abigaillee.me forward slash dear designer. We'll also be in the show notes. And if you liked this episode, please feel free to press the subscribe button to stay up to date with the weekly releases. Thanks again from me, Abby and Kelton. 
Thank you. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.